Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's your Cleveland Guardians coming out of the gate with a win. Your Cleveland Guardians 8, the Chicago White Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it's good to be back talking baseball with you. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to listen to our Season 1 wrap-up, our 2022 Season All-Star Break episode, uh, you know, we talked about the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game, first half storylines, we did email mailbag questions, even got a Twitter question in there. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back. I definitely recommend checking out that episode uh, because there's a lot of good storylines from the first half that we talk about in that episode. Now we're going to get back into the game action, back into the action on the field, and we're going to talk about this win over the White Sox to kick off the second half of the season. Now, you know what? Sometimes life gets in the way. I can't always record in the morning. I actually have a very busy Saturday. It's going to be a busy weekend. So I'm recording this at night. The game just ended. It's after midnight. Do you know what? I jumped on the mic, spent a little time with you, and talked some baseball, which makes this now Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Now, if this is your first time hearing one of these nightly episodes, does much change on the show? No, it's pretty much the same show, but a little bit different vibe, a little bit, uh, usually starts off a little calmer, but by the end of the episode, I'm just as fired up as any other episode. Uh, Some of the websites don't update their stats that quickly, so we're a little bit limited on what we can look at, but Baseball Savant is here to help us out. We're going to go through the game, look at the top storylines, and the top storyline for me Wow, come on. Can you ask for anything better out of the gate? This Guardians offense puts up six runs in the first two innings. Can you ask for anything better out of the gate, Guardians fans? I mean, come on. First batter of the game, Stephen Kwan with a leadoff single. 103.1 mile per hour rope into right field. Yeah, Ahmed Rosario strikes out, but Jose Ramirez would double put them into scoring position. A bit of a bloop double, 49-degree launch angle, 786 mile-per-hour exit velocity. Here's going to be the weird thing, right? We're going to chase Giolito from this game, who usually pitches pretty good against us. We're going to chase Giolito after three innings, but we're not going to hit him hard. We barely hit Giolito hard. He gives up in those three innings. In 64 pitches, he only gives up three hard-hit balls. Yet gives up nine hits and six runs. Usually, usually we're talking about a guy who just gets blasted all over the field. Uh, no, uh, maybe it was the Bat-Bib gods. Maybe it was a little bit of luck. Maybe the Guardians were just making the right kind of contact. But a bloop double here from Jose Ramirez, followed by a bloop single from Josh Naylor in the left center. A left fielder, not very aggressive uh, for Chicago. Who was out there? It probably was not. Was it Aloy Jimenez? No, uh, he was DHing. So it was uh, Pollock out there in left field. Not very aggressive. Let's this ball fall in front of him. And uh, first run comes in to score. And then uh, Owen Miller hits a sack fly. 
brings in the next run to score, and then with two outs and a runner on Andres Jimenez, absolutely a laser shot, 98.4 mile per hour exit velocity, only a 24 degree launch angle, but it's 375 to the seats in right field. That's a great job by Andres Jimenez. I mean, coming off the All-Star game, his first at-bat back off the All-Star game. And guess what? He jumps all over a first-pitch changeup from Giolito. Jumps all over. We were talking about how aggressive he was in the All-Star game. We thought that was just the All-Star game thing, right? They, we thought that, you know, somebody told him, hey, look, kid, you don't, you don't take pitches in the All-Star game. Get up there and swing. Uh, no, it carries over his first at-bat. He's coming out first pitch swinging. It's a change-up down and in. They have been throwing off-speed stuff down and in to Andres Jimenez lately. That's how he struck out in the All-Star game. Uh, but this time, he's ready for it. He jumps all over this change-up to make it 4 nothing already in the first inning. I mean, can you ask for anything better? Uh, and then in the second inning, the bottom of the lineup, they turn it over mainly in straw with back-to-back singles. Ahmed Rosario would single to bring in one run, and then Jose Ramirez with an RBI ground out brings in the next run. So a little bit of good, hard RBI baseball from the Guardians offense, right? I don't care if our Jose Ramirez is getting... I mean, yeah, we'd love to see doubles into the gap and doubles into the corner and home runs. But as long as he's bringing in RBIs, I don't really care how he gets it done. I mean, I was thinking of this on the drive home, listening to this on the radio. And, uh, you know, if you were to tell me that Jose Ramirez is A, either going to lead the league in home runs or B, going to lead the league in RBIs, I'm choosing RBIs every time. Option B. I mean, it's a team sport and Jose Ramirez might be one of the best team players out there. So he gets the dirty work done with an RBI ground out. And now Cal Quantrill is staked to a 6-0 lead. Now that's just beautiful stuff from the Guardians offense. They would threaten again. They'd pretty much have a runner on in most innings in this game. They'd really threaten in the fourth inning. Quan with another leadoff hit. Then he would steal second base. Rosario would walk. No grounding into double plays this time from Ahmed Rosario. Unfortunately, they don't turn it into anything in the fourth inning. Uh, Ramirez would pop out, Naylor would pop out, and Owen Miller would fly out. So, unfortunately, it goes for nothing in the fourth inning. They are able to deliver. Naylor is able to deliver in the sixth inning. Uh, This time with one out, it's Quan and Rosario with a single and a walk. So, they repeat what they do in the fourth inning. This time, Naylor delivers. He slices a double into center field, 105.7 mile per hour exit velocity, uh, yeah, it's a nice slice shot from the lefty into uh, center field and bad defense by the White Sox, which was a theme uh, in this game. It's been a theme the entire season. Uh, a theme in this inning. Uh, Stephen Kwan reaches on an infield single and then a wild throw by uh, Tim Anderson lets him get to second base. He throws one in the dirt, basically spikes one trying to rush the throw. Doesn't really field the ball cleanly. Well, then, uh, later in this inning, with Naylor in the double in the center field, uh, Engel doesn't really take a good path to the ball, can't knock it down, and it gets past him. Uh, So bad defense from the uh, Chicago White Sox. Engel had one earlier in the game where uh, he couldn't field the ball cleanly. So, yeah, some bad defense from the White Sox, and clearly just not coming out with the fire 
to start the second half of the season. So it's a huge job by the Guardians offense of jumping on Giolito early, jumping on the White Sox and the momentum of this game early. I mean, four runs in the top of the first is really going to silence a crowd. I mean, that's really going to take the wind out of everybody's sails in that ballpark who is excited for the second half of the season to start. Remember, they got back to 500. They uh, they had a pretty good series, a pretty tough series against Minnesota to end this season. So they were feeling probably like they were in this AL Central race. And then you go out and put four runs up in the first inning. Not too shabby. Now, what was going on with Giolito? The interesting thing is that fastball was up, and so was the changeup. So was the slider, frankly. He just wasn't getting... There are a handful of pitches down below the knees, but he's not really attacking the bottom of the strike zone, uh, and he's leaving all those fastballs up. He gets two fastballs below the belt, basically. Every other fastball is up. Now, the irony is if I were to tell you that Giolito is throwing a ton of stuff up in the zone, you would expect some of these extra base hits to be from pitches up in the zone. But no, when we go to the results tab on Baseball Savant, all the extra base hits came from stuff that was down below the belt. Jose Ramirez's bloop double was just below the belt, middle of the plate, though. Uh, The home run from Andres Jimenez was down at the thighs, down and in at the thighs. Yeah, there were a bunch of singles up there, but all the extra base hits came from stuff that was down. Uh, later, uh, the double from Josh Naylor would come against the reliever Tanner Banks. Uh, that would be a pitch. That'd be a forcing fastball that was down. Ahmed Rosario would get a double later in the game off Jose Ruiz. That would be a curveball just below the belt, uh, kind of middle of the plate. So a lot, all the extra base hits that they gave up on the night were from below the belt. Uh, and a lot of singles above the belt, a lot of singles up there. So they were going up there and shooting it the other way or lining it through the infield or, you know, Quan's nice uh, single to lead off the game, his nice hard single into into right field. Uh, But most of the extra base hits, most of the power came things from things that were middle of the plate and below the belt. So interesting there. I When I first saw Giolito with all those pitches at the top of the zone, I just made the assumption that that's where he was giving up the extra base hits. And then I flipped the tab, and no, that's not that's not what it is. So uh, it's interesting. That's why I like looking at this data. That's why I like breaking this down, seeing what really went on here. And what really went on is when they missed middle down, the Guardians hitters made them pay, and they made them pay big. I mean, 8-2 is a nice, solid win to kick off the first half. So it's a great job by the offense all around. I mean, Quan with three hits in the leadoff spot in the lineup. Talk about picking up where you left off. I mean, you can't ask for anything better with the leadoff spot in the lineup. Three hits, two runs scored. Uh, the only person in the lineup not to get a hit was Nolan Jones, but Alex Call pinch hitting for him late in the game does get a hit in the seventh spot of the lineup. So every spot in the lineup ends up with a hit. Uh, your eight and nine guys have three hits. Uh, Maley has two, and they score two runs. That To be able to turn the lineup over like that and have your eight and nine guys scoring runs, that's big. That's huge on the day. So yeah, everybody found a way pretty much to contribute in this game. Some multi-RBIs from Josh Naylor, three RBIs for him, two RBIs from Andres Jimenez on the home run. He would also have a single, just a nice, solid offensive day 
all around from your Cleveland Guardians. All right, the other storyline in the game, of course, usually it's this way. The other storyline was the pitching, and Quantrill, I wouldn't say it was an ace performance. Frankly, he was dealing with runners on for most of this game, right? There were ducks on the pond. He was in trouble most of the game. Uh, he ends up hitting two batters in this game, but the thing was, he gave up way more ex uh, hard-hit balls than Giolito does. He goes, all right, let's just give you the box score here. Five innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, which is great, four strikeouts. He's not known as a strikeout guy. We just talked about that in the last episode, how the identity of the Cleveland starters isn't necessarily tied to how many strikeouts they can get anymore. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, Quantrill is just, I don't think he's going to be a heavy strikeout guy. On 97 pitches, he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times so definitely hard hit more than giolito but but all four of those strikeouts ended an inning the first through the fourth inning with a runner on base or multiple runners on base all come to an end via the strikeout that is i mean you want to talk about timing you want to talk about some timely we usually talk about timely hitting but you want to talk about some timely pitching uh to get those strikeouts to end the game and what pitches was he doing and on well he was staying uh to the arm side for most of it uh in the in the first inning he gets let's see here he gets Yasmani Grandal on a sinker away um you know out to that arm side on a 3-2 count that's a swinging strike in the second inning he gets a swinging strike on Adam Engel chasing a changeup on that edge on that arm side edge for the righty Quantrill in the third inning he gets AJ Pollock to foul tip a changeup down below the knees this one's more middle of the plate but it's down below the knees and he foul tips it into the glove for strike three that ends the third inning and then to end the fourth inning it's a cutter to Johan Mankata a cutter on the outside edge um, that gets Johan Mankata a called strike finally freezes someone with a called strike here on a 3-2 count to end the fourth inning. So he was staying to that arm side mostly when it comes to those strikeouts. And absolutely, yeah, keeping the team in the game, battling, really battling through five innings. I mean, he's got uh, two guys on in the first when he gets that strikeout of Grandal. In the uh, second inning, he had two guys on, but then gets a double play and then a strikeout to get on it. I mean, they had leadoff back-to-back singles. They look like they were going to make a little run in that second inning, and a double play and a strikeout is huge there. The leadoff two guys are on in the third inning. Uh, they do score in the third. Jose Abreu delivers a double, brings in the first run to score. Uh, Grandal with an RBI ground out, so they do add two runs, but at that point, 6-2, to two, that's still a really comfortable lead for the Guardians. He would hit Eloy Jimenez, but then get A.J. Pollock. To strike out and then a two out single from Tim Anderson in the fourth not a problem Johan Mankata strikes out and in the fifth they go one two three and then frankly he kind of hit his pitch limit but then Josh Naylor you know it makes an easy call for Terry Francona because six to two eh. eight to two yeah you can go to your bullpen you can feel pretty comfortable taking your starter out of the game with an eight to two lead and the bullpen rewards him for that I mean the bullpen is just rock solid four innings from your bullpen 
Sandlin, boom, an inning pitch, no hits, a walk, and a strikeout. De Los Santos, an inning pitch, just a strikeout. Uh, Brian Shaw, an inning pitch, just a strikeout, not even hard hit. De Los Santos was hard hit twice. Brian Shaw wasn't even hard hit. And then Karen Cech, uh, of course, makes it interesting in the ninth. He gives up a hit, but gets two strikeouts. He has to work 22 pitches. I mean, Sandlin does it in 12 pitches. De Los Santos does it in 12 pitches. Brian Shaw does it in 13 pitches. Karinchek has to work 22 pitches to get done with the ninth inning. But the bullpen rocks solid for four innings. Gives up one hit over four innings. No runs. One walk and uh, five strikeouts. That's a really fantastic line from the bullpen there. And, uh, you know, De Los Santos is probably the guy that pitches in the most high leverage situations right now. Out of that bullpen mix, that's your back. That's your back, not your back end of the bullpen. That's I guess that's technically the front end of your bullpen, right? Uh, those are the guys you put in in blowouts. Uh, those aren't the guys you're looking for in tight situations, high leverage situations. But it's nice to see them go out there and just throw up a whole bunch of zeros and really, really make things rough for the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox they use a lot of relief arms the day before they're about to face a doubleheader. They throw five relief arms out there, including Joe Kelly, after Giolito can only go three innings. So, yeah, I got to say, that's a way to tax their bullpen right out of the All-Star break and right before a doubleheader. Yeah, this bullpen could be really, really tired very quickly after the All-Star game, having to do that against the Guardians right there. So, it's a, I mean, it's a really solid game all around. I mean, you got to be given high fives all around. Everybody delivered in every aspect of the game, including a diving catch by Miles Straw in center field, defensively, offensively, pitching. It was all there for the Guardians on this night. So, yeah, a really fun, I'm. what else can I say? A really fun way to kick off the first half of the season here, or the second half of the season here. So, they'll go at the doubleheader tomorrow. It's going to be McKenzie pitching game one against Cueto. And then game two is going to be Pilkington against Lance Lynn. Uh, Pilkington is going to get another start. I know a lot of people wanted that to be Badenfeld. A lot of people wanted it to be Peyton Badenfeld. He's got to get an opportunity here. Uh, Pilkington's an easy decision because it doesn't affect the 40-man roster. But. Come on, Bannonfield has clearly been the best pitcher down in Columbus this season, and you got to see what he could do at the Major League level. Frankly, Pilkington has struggled. And yeah, a lot of Guardians fans feel like seeing Pilkington's name written in in the second game is like the Guardians are kind of throwing away the second game of this doubleheader. Like they don't care about the second game of the doubleheader. There's still plenty of high hope for Pilkington to figure things out. But he's given up some home runs. He's been hard hit. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm not excited at all about a Pilkington start. Battenfield would get me interested a little bit, right? Be curious to see what the rookie could do in his major league debut. It would be interesting. Uh, Pilkington feels like, uh, feels like it's not our best effort. Maybe Pilkington gets there one day. Uh, but. It just doesn't feel like this is his season. This is the struggle season before he figures out the major leagues. Maybe next season he figures it out, right? We see it all the time with these guys. When they jump levels, there's a big struggle. There's a big drop-off in numbers. And then the second year, those numbers come back to where they've been. 
uh, back to those career averages. Maybe Pilkington does something like that, but and maybe he surprises us because this is going against the form, his former team that traded him away. Maybe he surprises us, but I, I would love to be pleasantly surprised. But when Savali's turn in the rotation comes up, because this is the doubleheader game, so then you've got uh, Bieber going on Sunday, and that means Plesak would kick off the series on Monday. Who's going on Tuesday? Who's getting that start on Tuesday? Is that where Bannonfeld gets the start? So we'll see what ends up happening here. But that's your doubleheader uh, for tomorrow. I'm sure Francona's going to find a way to use the whole bench because he does. He mixes it up. I'm sure Fermil Reyes will get back in there. Um, we'll see how he ends up matching up against these two starters. Uh, we got a 110 game and then a 715 game. So. Uh, we'll see what Francona does. Cueto is a righty, and uh, Lance Lynn is also a righty. So there's not really that excuse to get the lefties out of the lineup. But I'm guessing Call will get to start one game. I'm guessing Nolan Jones will get to start one game. I'm guessing something with Owen Miller and Josh Naylor at first base in DH. Um, so uh, I'm I'm guessing that's pretty. And obviously the catchers, uh, you know, the guys are going to switch between the two games. So I'm guessing that's probably what you're going to see tomorrow you know that kind of mix so uh yeah a great win by the cleveland guardians way to kick off the second half of the season mvp on the day oh it's a tough one. Ooh, it's a tough one i'm choosing between naylor and kwan right naylor delivers the three rbis kwan with the three hits i think i gotta go kwan i think i gotta go steven kwan the most valuable player on the day Yes, Ramirez or Naylor drove in three. Yes, Andres Jimenez had a two-run home run to cap off that rally in that first inning. But the fact that Quan started three rallies from that leadoff spot. Now, one of them in the fourth inning doesn't turn into anything. But in the first and sixth inning, they do. They were huge rallies in this game. And the fact that he was able to kick things off in that leadoff spot, be the spark plug in this lineup... I think that sent a good vibe through this entire lineup. So the first game back, Stephen Kwan is getting MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. I mean, this game was pretty straightforward. The Guardians just kicked some butt. So uh, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Again, the final from Chicago. It's your Guardians 8, the White Sox 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We got some great emails for our all-star game, you know, first half wrap-up episode. But you can keep those emails going. If you've got thoughts about Quantrill, you know, and his strikeouts or uh, Karen Check pitching the ninth or Stephen Kwan leading things off, Hit me up at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, as we approach the trade deadline, let me know your thoughts, and we'll discuss them on the show. We could do a whole we could do a whole episode every day on just trade deadline rumors from here until the end of July. So, uh, also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Nightly.